Well, welcome to the new semester. We have a sign-up sheet for your email. If you'd like to put that down and then you'll be communicated each week on what's going on in the class. We're going to talk about Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Now, there's no way that in 13 weeks we could go through the whole Gospel of Matthew. We could spend 13 weeks on the Beatitudes. So what Alan and I have decided to do is to take topics from the book and address those through the, through the, uh, through the class. Turn it on and it works really good. My name is John Sipkowski and my wife is named Dell, and the co-teacher is Alan and his wife Angie. <laughs> Welcome everybody, we're glad you're here. This is an outline of what we hope to present. <clears throat> Next week I'll be teaching a class when Jesus ate with the sinners and the Pharisees criticized. And then Andy Reese is going to present an incredibly interesting video on the birth of Jesus and the Star of Bethlehem. I really encourage you to be here if you can see that one. It's great. And then Alan's going to talk about the, the woman who was bleeding. And then I'll do uh, hell. The first part is going to be uh, basically a summary of wh where we are in our understanding. And then the second part is going to be an introduction to a different concept of the idea of punishment in hell. And then <clears throat> Alan's going to talk about Jesus when he heals the demon-possessed boy. And then I want to talk about Jesus and Satan, Beelzebub in that context. And then the rich young ruler, the rich young man. And then Alan talks about uh, the future that Jesus talked about. And then I'll do Jesus con who Jesus condemned in the Bible and who did he not condemn. Sometimes it's a little backwards from what we think. And then Alan will finish the last three classes on Jesus in the garden, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. All right. So what I want to do this morning is to introduce some characters in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, of course, who's the author, and then Joseph and Mary, who are the first characters in the story that Matthew presented. Matthew was a tax collector. A tax collector sat at the booth and collected monies from the Jews. The problem was the money didn't stay in Jerusalem. The money went to Rome. And so the tax collectors were a hated bunch. Since Judea was in Samaria, Syria, every man was to pay 1% of his annual income, an income tax. Income tax, familiar. There were also import taxes, export taxes, crop tax, one-tenth of the grain crop and one-fifth of the wine, fruit, and olive oil was to be taxed. There was also sales tax, property tax, emergency tax, and tax, and tax, and tax. Does it kind of sound familiar? Oh, tax. I wonder where we got all that. <laughs> <laughs> tax, and tax, and tax. In addition to the collection booth, they were also allowed to walk up to you and tax you for what you had on your possession. Now think about that. You're walking down the street, you know, and you got your little backpack on, and you got back in there 
there's some goody stuff, and there's also um, 50 bucks. And you see, uh-oh, there's a tax collector. Is a temptation to take the 50 bucks and hide it and lie and say, I don't have any money. See the, the conflict that it could bring up between a moral Jewish person and confronting with the tax collectors, tax collectors, a challenge. And of course, whatever they could accumulate above the required payments into Rome, they could keep. So most of the tax collectors were very wealthy. An example of a tax collector is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Jesus went to eat with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, Lord, Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. So obviously he had enough wealth where he could give away half and still maintain some lifestyle. Wealthy man. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. An assumption that he cheated. Or why would he have to say, if I've cheated, I will pay back? So these were not exactly the most honest, nice people to deal with in those times. So here we have a spectrum. Matthew, the tax collector, on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end, we have Simon the Zealot. There could not be two people on further ends of a spectrum than these two men. The zealot who was trying to establish a worldwide national religion, Jewish, here he was resisting the Romans. And he refused to pay the tax. The tax collector, and he refused to pay the tax. Two ends of the spectrum. And they're both apostles. They're both apostles. They're both one of the twelve. Matthew, of course, is talked about very much. Talks, he has his... his um, gospel. Simon the Zealot is only mentioned four times in the Bible, and each of those four times is a list of the apostles. That's it. We know nothing about him beyond that. So what brought those two together? Love of Jesus. The love of Jesus could take these two extremes and bring them together into a unified group. Now, I'm going to be talking about these characters, Matthew, Joseph, and Mary, but the rest of the time we'll be dealing with the Lord Jesus and how he interacted with the people. I guess John there's hope that maybe those of us for Hillary and those of us for Trump can maybe be brought <laughs> Well, you know, if they had Jesus in their lives, I'm sure it could bring it together. Dale and I were talking on the way to church this morning, and we made the turn right there going out of our neighborhood, and there was a sign for Hillary Clinton, you know, and I said, she said, I don't think I'd put a sign in my yard. I'm afraid somebody would attack the house. It's very emotional. Yes. But I mean, I've often thought about that. And, you know, what kind of discussions these two guys had. Don't you, you know? know. They go after each other, you know. Did, did Jesus have to step in and say, and hey, back off, guys? Exactly. He, they couldn't be more often. No. He could not have picked two men yeah. further apart than those two. And I, my assumption is, I don't know, that that was intentional. Yeah. Intentional. He could bring those together so far apart. So we're going to leave Matthew and talk about Mary. I was raised Catholic. This was Mary to me, Holy Mary, Mother of God. To me, as a child, I became a Christian Church of Christ in my early teenage years. 
But until then, to me, Mary was more than just a saint. Mary was deity when I was a child. I mean, I prayed to Mary. So this, that's quite a different concept than what we tend to think of Mary, more like that. Just a sweet little Jewish girl, probably 12, 13, 14, when she begins the story, a very, very young girl. See, this young girl and the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her that she'll be with child. She'll give him the name Jesus. Listen to what he says to her. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High. Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a lot for that young girl to hear. Of course, her response is, how can that be? I'm a virgin. And the angel tells her that the spirit will overshadow her and she will be pregnant. So this is how the birth came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, the Christmas story. When I read the Bible, and people are addressed in the Bible, I really want to understand how they felt. What went through their minds? What did they hear when they heard Jesus speak? What did they think when things happened to them in those times? So here, here's Mary, the young girl, betrothed to Joseph, and she comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. Right. Joseph knows that he has not had relations with Mary, so his assumption would be, like the rest of us, you've been messing around. How can that be? How can you do that to me? We're betrothed and, and you're pregnant? Big scene, and she's trying to say, but, 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 you don't understand, it's the Holy Spirit. And he goes, right. <laughs> yeah, right. And so what he decides to do, because he was a, a righteous man, a godly man, he didn't want to expose her to the public, and so he decided to divorce her quietly. Now, I'm not sure how that worked out in a town of about between four and 600 people. I mean, I lived in a small town for a while, and everybody knew everybody and everybody's business. So I'm not sure how that quiet divorce would have worked, but that was his intention, not to disgrace her. <clears throat> but after he considered this, the angel told him, it's okay, it's okay. What is in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit. Take her for your wife. And so he did. But there's consequences to that. If, this is from Deuteronomy, if, if a girl is not a virgin when she comes to be married, she's to be brought to her father's door and there be stoned to death. So that was what was supposed to happen to Mary. But under the Roman rule, they did not have the death penalty, so they could not do that. And the other thing is, to Joseph, if this happened, and he had given money to the father of this, his bride-to-be, 
and that money would be returned to him. So Joseph had, Joseph sacrificed, if there was that payment, sacrificed that payment. He did what the Lord said and took Mary to be his wife. Now, I, I don't know what the wedding looked like. I don't know if she was wearing a wedding dress. We don't know that. That's something that God hasn't told us about. But it must have been an awkward situation for them in that small town. Okay, as you know, in the Christmas story, there was a, uh, a census by the Romans, and so Mary and Joseph had to go uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Interesting story. This is what the scholars believe the route was from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Probably about 70 miles and took about a week. Some of the scholars believed it was more like 80 or 90 miles and could have taken 10 days for them to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I like this picture. A week! A week! She's 9.99 months pregnant. Now, I don't know if you folks have ever ridden on a donkey. No? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You ride a horse, it's a nice, you know, like that. Not a donkey. A donkey ride is like this. Very sharp, the way they walk. So here she is. I love that picture. She's holding her stomach. I bet she was holding her stomach. Here she is just about to deliver a baby, riding on a donkey for approximately a week. I, I, I would love to hear the conversation between those two if I could have been there. I'll fly on the wall. Could you stop for a minute? I just, I heard that. We have to go. We have to get. No, but can we stop for a while? Must have been very difficult for poor Mary. So as the Christmas story goes, the child was born after riding on a, on a donkey for a week. I bet she did deliver. And anyway, the child was born healthy, and he was born in a manger, as, manger, as we all know. Okay, so under the Jewish requirements, they had to take the newborn baby to the temple to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. So they take the baby, and Anna praises the Lord, and Simeon, an old man, takes the baby from his arms and says these things. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory for your people, Israel. And then, the father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, now I'm starting to say, what? Wait a minute. Did Mary forget what the angel said to him? Did Joseph forget what the angel said to him? I mean, I didn't think that what uh, Simeon said was anything unusual, except perhaps that be a light to the Gentiles. And that they would say, what? Gentiles. But they marveled. They marveled. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising 
of many in Israel and to be a sign that would be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is a key sentence. And the sword will pierce your own soul too. I wonder if Mary said, what in the world does that mean? I mean, so far so good. We got a healthy little baby, we're doing well. What does that mean? And I think later on we'll find out what that means. Okay, now the boy's 12 years old. When I lived in New York, my dad flew for Pan American and we either lived in Houston or New York, back and forth, depending on the, the route that he flew. So when I was like 11, 12, 13, we lived in New York, out on Long Island. And um, the boy across the street, my friend Jeff, was Jewish. They were very strong Jews. They, they, I'll give you an example of how that was. One day he was over at our house and my mom uh, had lunch and she served us spaghetti. He never had spaghetti. He didn't know what it was. Apparently it's not a very Jewish meal. So he said, what is this? And my mom said, oh, it's worms. So about an hour after he went home, we got a phone call. <laughs> Did you really serve him worms? No spaghetti. So they were very, very Jewish. One day, he came into our house and he's just going crazy. He's ecstatic. He's screaming, I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. And I'm going, wait a minute, Jeff. I'm the same age as you are. I'm not a man. He goes, I'm a man. At 12 years old was the rights of manhood for the Jewish child. So Jesus is now in, in um, Jerusalem. And they went up to the feast. Now, apparently they had like a caravan of people going to and back and forth. Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. Now, I realize he's only 12 years old, but it, don't you think it'd been polite to say, Mom and Dad, I got some business to take care of. Don't worry about me. But apparently, not a word because Oh, they were traveling for a day and they couldn't find their son. Anybody seen Jesus? No, no, no. Anybody? Finally, they realized he's not with us. He's not with us. And so they head back to Jerusalem to look for him. Two days. One day out, one day back. After three days, they find him in five days. They couldn't find their son. I remember Dell and I were shopping in a mall, and I think our son was probably about three or four, just a little boy, and we couldn't find him. Talk about freaking out. We found him pretty quick, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe? But five days not knowing where your child is would be terrible. Terrible. So finally, they go to the temple, which also is kind of surprising. I wonder why they didn't go there first. But they didn't. They went there the third day. And they find their son. And his mother says, whoops, back. His mother says, if I can make this thing work. 
Oh, wait, that didn't work. It doesn't show on the screen. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Son, why have you treated us like this? I love that. That's not what I said to my son. If he'd have been gone five days, he'd have caught it. Boy, I tell you what, it wouldn't have been a nice, polite statement like that. Like, gee, son, why have you done this? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And it nailed into him. And he says, why are you even looking for me? Remember, he's a 12-year-old. Why are you even looking for me? Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? But here again, they did not understand what he was saying. Why didn't they understand? He's now a man under the Jewish rules, going about his business. But he minded his parents like a good boy and went back to Nazareth and lived with them. And his mother treasured these things in her heart. See that, that, that pattern of Mary? Marvel at this, treasured in her heart. This repeated over and over and over. When my son was doing things like that, it was not treasuring those things in my heart. I was ruining him out. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. He, 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 yeah, yeah. That's, that, yeah, I that think been my response, too. Uh, Vicki, that would have been... I, I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle that if I lost my child for five days. I mean, of course, we have some helps today. You can call, you know, the police, and they have the missing child and that, that sort of thing, Amber Alert and all that. But that doesn't change the psychology to having your child gone for five days. Whew, that's, just, that's just more than you can handle. Okay, now Jesus is a grown man. And he goes to a wedding in Cana. His mother was there, his disciples were there. So I'm not sure how this disciple things worked. Um, I've, I've read about it some, you know, when we read like Jesus went up to the Matthews collection table and said, come follow me, and he just followed him. I do know that for a, a rabbi to invite you to be a follower was extremely big deal in those days. It was quite an honor to be invited to be a follower of a rabbi. So he, had, he already had some disciples at this time in his life. This is the first time we see him as an adult. But they were also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, his mother said to him, they have no more wine. And he says, uh, what's that to me? Why are you involving me? My time has not yet come. My time is not yet. Now, why would he say that to her? She didn't say, hey, uh, uh, Jesus, you know, here, here's 150 bucks. Now go buy four or five more bottles of wine. So I don't know what is going on between these two. Does he know that she's asking him to perform a miracle at this time? It hints, it hints at that because he says, my time has not yet come. What time? What time? The time to be the prophet. The prophet. And his mom, lover, sweet soul, ignores him and says to service, do whatever he says. And being a good boy, that's what he did. That's what he did. But well, does Mary knew, have a hint? She knew something about him. She, she, she knew he could take care of it. Right, but in what, in what mechanism? I don't know. That's but... It, 
he, he said, Woman, my time has not yet come. But nevertheless, when she said, do what he says, he did. It seems that Mary, um, I mean, Jesus is an adult here. So Mary has raised him all these years. And uh, we don't know, of course, what, what went on when he was a child. But no. there's, um, there's a real strong possibility that she saw um, the special things that Jesus was through the years and knew that he was able to do things like this. That, that is very possible. And the fact, that, um, the fact that Mary, at such a young age, I'm, I'm amazed uh, when I think about how she just accepted what God said. When God said, you're going to have a child, Mary believed it and, uh, and accepted that. And so she was always um, aware of Jesus being, uh, you know, God's special. Son. God special. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think maybe she she knew a lot more than uh, than we know about him through that childhood and right. what he may have done. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that, and I, I, it has to be that, or, or this scenario wouldn't have happened. She has to have understood something. Now, once again, when I was Catholic, they believed that Jesus did miracles when he was a little boy at home. I refute that because um, when they couldn't find him after, after have losing him, they would have looked for him in the temple first as he would, would have been, uh, you know, a, a priest type of thing. So, but through the years that he was in his home, we don't know really what happened and how, how much Mary understood, but obviously something. There's something here. Not, they were not telling us that, but I really believe in my heart that, that she was telling him to perform a miracle. That's what I believe. I have no proof, but I think that's what the case was. Yeah, I think it's significant that he said, he, he didn't say, why do you involve me? I don't know my way around Canaan. I don't know who sells wine in this land. <laughs> uh, he didn't say that. He said, my time is not yet come, which indicates, wait a minute, there's something else. Maybe she knew that he, he already had some disciples with him, so he was a rabbi, right. disciples following. His statement to her, either she, he said something to her that he knew she had no concept of what he was talking about, which I doubt, Right. or he was, he was saying to her, he'd already told her, there's going to be, you know, I'm going to be doing these things. It's perhaps, she perhaps. He was saying, it's not time for me to start that ministry yet. That's, that's, that's very that's possible. That's what I was thinking. I, I don't know the time frame, John, but, the, but his baptism, I always thought that was the start of the his start. ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he's started. been baptized now by here. He previously right, baptized, yeah. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is later on. This is, this is in John quite a, quite a bit back. It's kind of interesting, too, that, that Mary felt that the situation needed to be fixed. I mean, George said that he married into a family of fixers. If there's... <laughs> Mm -hmm. for someone else when they may not need that much help that we're always trying to, help. yeah. And yeah. Mary seems to do that here a little bit. Jesus Jesus may have been trying to tell her, you know, this may not be our rodeo. You know, everything mm -hmm. to take care of. But well, there, there was also this thing going on. There, there, Jesus had kind of a secrecy theme going on. You especially see it in the book of Mark where, you know, um, 
Jesus is kind of hiding some of the things that he's doing. Yes. Um, don't tell Go him. Go on telling. Um, and maybe when he said my time hasn't come in, come, what he meant was, I'm not ready to start doing public miracles because those are what are going to get me killed in the end. Well, that's that's possible. <clears throat> so that, that's a that good possibility. A, a piece of it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to start publicly displaying these things yet out in the open. But it is possible that that eventually they'll kill me for it in my time. Maybe he has. You know, maybe he has already done private miracles, or at least discussed with Mary. Let me tell you the scope of what I am, Mary, my mother. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there, in this, is in, it's indicative that Mary knew what she was asking. We're also told that he did so many more things that are not contained here. You know, out in the vineyard. We're told that mm -hmm. Jesus did so many more things that there aren't even books to contain it all. So that would answer with all these things that we're discussing that we'd like to say we it leads you to believe that he did things right. before this point that Mary knew about, but we don't know about. No. It's so interesting. And that's what the Gospel of John ends up with. There could be books the, the whole world could not contain if we knew everything. But we have enough. That's what he says. We have and enough. Jesus' whole ministry was all about making sure nobody ever ran out of food or wine. Yeah. Or, uh, he could have... People... I mean, they're already coming through the ceiling and is in the stores. Mm -hmm. And you, you can see that a lot of it... He's, he's, he cares so much and he feels so much for other people's needs. And yet he is aware of what his real ministry is. That, it's, that it is higher and more spiritual and... If you start showing, you know, what what to maybe the outside world looks like magic tricks, then he's, right. he's going to have people demanding of his time that we're taking away from what his real purpose is. Yes, true. That's a good point. Thank you. Okay. Here, here's one I thought was pretty interesting. Jesus is teaching in, in a house, and his mother and brothers are outside, and they want to speak with him. That makes sense. So someone says to Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And his reply is, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples and said, these are my mothers and brothers and my sisters. Now, once again, he, the servant goes out and said, well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, ma'am, but he said that he, who, who is his mother as if, I'm, I wonder how Mary thought about that. I'm your mother. Wait a minute, young man. Just, this is my mental image of what Mary, would, her response to this would be. I don't know I wasn't there, but she was human. She was human. How could you belittle me, Jesus? I'm your mother. Not understanding, perhaps, the broader context of what he was saying. Once again, that's just speculation, but I, I can't help but in my mind hearing these type of things when I read stories like that. Well, the one thing we know is his siblings didn't believe in him, and they thought he was nuts. Right, yeah, yeah. they didn't, not till later. Yeah. That's right. So they, they were probably very upset with him. <laughs> yeah. But Mary, she had to be he's a little bit annoyed when she found out that, that he's, he's basically ignored her from that, in that story. Okay, now we come to the hard part. We've, we've seen the story, I've tried to follow along in, in Mary's life in relation to Jesus. And all the wonderful things that were supposed to happen. 
And here he is hanging on the cross. Now, most of us in here have been around a while, and I'm sure you've heard sermons about how horrible a crucifixion was, a terrible, terrible death. And here her son is hanging on the cross, and she's standing with Mary, the wife of Clopas, who is not mentioned but one other place, and Mary Magdalene, who's very close to Jesus, obviously. She's standing there watching her son die. I wonder if she's reflecting back to what Simeon said, and a sword will pierce your soul also. How worse of a wound can you have by seeing your son die a death like that? And I wonder if in her mind she reflected back to what Gabriel said. He will be great, who be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Wait a minute. That's what the angel told me. What's going on? So a second sword pierced her soul. Not the fact, just the fact that her son is dying, but the fact that, did, did the angel lie to me? What, what, was I dreaming? Is this all nonsense? What, what? Because no one really understood this idea of the kingdom forever until, of course, after Pentecost. I hope in my soul that Mary was privy to the day of Pentecost and what happened after that. To see, yes, the angel Gabriel did tell the truth and it is going to be a kingdom forever and ever. But at that moment, empathize with Mary. What was she going through? The pain that she saw, the pain through her heart. Oh. Okay, do you have any questions? Comments? I appreciate your, your comments you gave today, I really do. Okay, next week I'm going to talk about Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 12 in there. And this is the story of when Jesus went to eat with sinners and he was criticized by the Pharisees. He asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with sinners? And we're going to talk about that next week. Any questions? Comments? Pardon? Okay, we are done. We have about oh, six minutes left, if you have anything to add. I just, one more thing, it's probably, I think that sometimes we impose, and I, I'm really worse about it, impose my Western thinking on the characters that I read about. I really don't know, I mean, Mary's situation in life is very different from mine. Mm -hmm as far as rights and privileges and standing in the community and even standing with her sons. And so when I, when I read through Matthew and when I read the Gospels, I always bring Mary into a Western culture rather than 
mind-blowing. And so it's, it's kind of hard to, to make that jump for me. Well, I guess I, I agree with you 100%, and, and, and particularly we talk, I talked about, you know, when Mary was keen to be pregnant. I mean, in our society, it, it's, it's not a good thing, and it causes some shame in the family, but, you know, in her society, she's to be killed. So we, You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Here you can get away with something like that. Uh, a Jewish wedding, you know, you have a feast that would last generally a, day, a couple days. Uh, the, the, the new husband and wife would consummate their wedding vows, and then the, uh, the parents of the bride would bring the sheets out and hang them out for all the wedding guests to see. See, there's yes, blood on the blood sheet. Spot. She was a virgin. That's and, right. Uh, so this must have, and one thing we know about Mary and Joseph is they didn't consummate their marriage until after Jesus was after. born. But this isn't the kind of thing that, that gets swept under the rug. It's kind of a No, it's not. Where's the sheets? Right. And when we go back to Deuteronomy, Kind of an embarrassing time to be a woman. Yes. Read what it said. Back. If there's no proof of the girl's virginity can be found, that's the sheet. That's the proof. In fact, I read about that, that some cultures in the East still practice that. They hang the sheet out on the wedding night with the blood on it. And uh, if it doesn't work out, we make some blood because it's so important for that to happen. Yes, the proof of her virginity must be found. So that was a, yes, a big thing in their culture, a big thing, a big. Well, so you wonder, did a stigma follow Jesus all of his life? And there's some parts in the gospel where you, you kind of pick up that there might be a little bit of a stigma. Stigma toward Jesus, because as you said, a town of a few hundred people would kind of pick up on this. They know. And what was the real story here mm -hmm. with Jesus? Who's his real father? Real right. Oh, they had, they had to be that. Yeah. All that that's involved with the, the uh, un unwed childbirth. Yeah. Very difficult situation. She went to go and visit Elizabeth when she found when she was pregnant. Right. And so there was a period of time that she didn't sort of leave town. So it's, it's, it must have been terribly difficult for that young, young couple. Um, I'm sure Mary had to keep reinforcing her own mind. You know, yes, this is, this is from God, this is from God. Of course, she knew she was a virgin. Uh, and one more thing about the, the, the virgin. In the Catholic Church, I was taught that Mary was a virgin. She died a virgin. She was always a virgin. She never had any more children, and we know that to be false. Weren't you taught that her mother had to have a virgin birth too? Immaculate. <laughs> was that what that was? Yeah, I hadn't heard that one. Mary's mother was also a virgin. No, I didn't know that. Well, I can teach you Catholic things. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I was a little, I was a little boy of Catholic, you know, so I didn't remember all that. The other thing that's interesting when I look at the Gospels is looking at the differences. It's, when you read the, the, the birth accounts and early accounts, Matthew, you read, and Joseph is the actor. Everything is Joseph this, Joseph that. When you go over and read Luke, it's all about Mary. Mm -hmm. Joseph becomes is kind of secondary in Luke. Right. And, and it's, it, it's interesting to look at these contrasts. And as you read through Luke, you, you know, it's, it's a gospel that's much more concerned 
with with the people who don't have rights, with the people who are who are suffering. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I, and I think a part of that is that, is that Luke, rather than focusing on Joseph, he focuses on the woman, on Mary. Mm -hmm. All these differences are, are really fascinating. Things. Well, that's why I had to kind of bounce back and forth. When you read the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew, Jesus is, comes through Joseph. Through Joseph, right. Why would that be? Because Joseph wasn't as well, because it's so legally. That's right, that's legally. Tradition, legally, it, it passed through the Father. So. Right, and that's why I had to bounce back and forth between you know Matthew, Mark, and, and uh, Luke to get what I consider to be the, the full picture of the story. Any other comments? I really appreciate your interjections. I think it's so fascinating, though, because Mary kind of, she was pregnant, and, you know, there's not a lot she could do about that. But Joseph could walk away. And so that really took some faith on his part. Yes, it did. To believe her and, you know, then... And, and the interesting thing about that... He was going to divorce her quietly, you know, we, we, we talked about that. But in a dream, the angel said, it was okay. And, and, and I thought about that. I didn't talk about it too much because I thought I'd run out of time. But it must have been quite a dream, because I've had a lot of dreams, but I said, well, I, that was just a dream. And yet the dream convinced him to go ahead and take Mary home to be his wife. And I'm, I, I have to admire that because I'm not sure in a situation like that a dream would have done me a whole lot of good. But it did, people, it did him. People knew, um, they knew the prophecies too. Um, they knew that, you know, the Messiah would come. I mean, there was prophecies of virgin birth and things like that. So, I mean, uh, some of them may have been, you know, more aware and more believing because of that. Well, I could be too. In fact, I, I, I thought about that aspect. If, if it was common knowledge that um, the virgin birth was going to be the Messiah, and there's, there's some debate about that. Some people debate that Matthew really used that, that verse from, from uh, Hosea properly. So, but suppose it was common knowledge. I wonder how many young Jewish girls that became pregnant at a wedlock said, it was the Holy Spirit, it was a virgin birth. So it could work both ways. I don't know. Okay. It's important to realize that, that not only was Mary chosen, but you know, you know, the combination of choosing Mary and Joseph. That's right. You know, that was certainly. Well, obviously, he was he was an honorable man. I mean, he was a good man, a good man. We don't know much about him really after that, but he was a good man. Okay. Thank you for your comments, folks. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing y'all next week. Uh, that was fun. Hey, your scraps are new today.
I don't know what that's for. Well, I don't know either. They all, have, they all of them have that hanging out. I'll tie them together, and then they won't be 